0: You're listening to the GGC Life podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. All right. Um, verse 1 Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the Spirit or partnership of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same lo- love. Being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. We're talking about relationships. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, perhaps pride, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves or himself. Isn't that good? Look, so let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, One of the biggest keys of relationships is walking in love. Walking in love, laying down your life, and loving the other person. We are going to be challenged in our relationships from time to time. And most of the times we mess up our relationships is because we don't have the love to give. In other words, we don't wait for the right time because we're not patient because we're full of pride and we want to tell our point right now. And our point might be wrong. It might be the wrong timing. It might be the wrong opportunity. It might not be the right moment. But We want to tell our point anyway. And so that's, to me, destroys relationships. So we need the love of God. And last Sunday I explained how the sponge, uh, we, I believe our spirits are like sponge. That's why Jesus says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. When you get connected to God and you have a relationship with God, Jesus says that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and out of your belly will flow rivers of life-giving water. So who's giving the life? God into you, but then you give the life away through your river that's flowing out of your being, out of our hearts. Now, when we're running dry, it's like a sponge that's running dry and you try to—you haven't got nothing to give. You've got no life to give. You've got no water to give. You end up trying. When you don't have the love, you're looking for love from everyone else, you're looking for the acceptance, you're looking for... The attention. You're looking for it. So you're actually poised to look and you get insecure because you're looking rather than being filled as your sponge. as I showed an example last week, put the sponge in the bucket and God's the source and you can go to God all the time. He fills you and you're so saturated and you've got love to give and you can soak everybody with God's love and goodness and joy. And If you run out, you're always going to dry up. You go back into God's presence and you fill up again. So that's so vital. I want that to be the foundation of our thinking. Because we're talking about having healthy relationships. The best way to have healthy relationships is guard your heart. Proverbs 4 verse 20. Above all things guard your heart, for out of your heart flow the issues of life. Most of our issues from relationship come from our own heart. Come from our unhealthiness or our insecurity or our hurt or our pain or our disappointment. And so it's coming out of our own heart, our own experiences. So we've got to make sure we'll be able to go before God again and make sure you get healed. So if your heart's healthy... Out of your heart flow the issues. You look up that word, it means the boundaries of life. Your limitations are coming from your own heart. God doesn't put limitations on us. We're made in his image and in his likeness. So we need to keep growing. Amen? In our relationship with God, out of your heart will flow healthy relationships. Make sure your heart's in the right place. So we're talking about walking in love. And the biggest thing when I think about love, when you're walking in love, you you lay down your flesh, don't you? You you, you crucify your old man. So it's it's not about your point. And so sometimes people will accuse you falsely. And sometimes when when accusations come or you might hear people say something bad about you, it's like throwing a javelin. King Saul threw a javelin at King David or David was the king to be. And David was a great warrior, way better than Saul. And Saul gets so angry, grabs a javelin and throws that at him. And David moves and misses him. What a perfect opportunity for David to go, Aha, you threw it first. You deserve this. And he he could have grabbed it. It's like ammunition. I'm going to throw it back. So that's not walking in love. When people attack you, it gives you the thought, I've got ammunition. And you, you, you might have all this stuff we're not supposed to have. Love keeps no record of wrong. But if you've got a record of wrong, you go, aha, you've attacked me. I'm going to attack you. So that's not walking in love. So we're talking about laying down our life to have healthy relationships. It means it's an attitude of the heart. It means to walk in humility and to lay down your life to love that person. Esteem that person higher than yourself. It's actually saying, I I treat you, I think you're more valuable than me. Isn't that beautiful? Imagine we all did that. We all treated each other more valuable than ourselves, the Bible says to do. The same mind that's in Christ, let it be in you. So, walking in love. Number six is building trust. And uh, trust is like the air we breathe. You don't don't notice... um, The air you breathe until it's polluted. Once it's polluted, you all of a sudden know the air you're breathing polluted air. So trust is like that in relationship. You don't realize it's there until it's polluted and deroded and the trust is broken because it breaks down the relationship. So trust, I believe trust, biggest way to break down trust is dishonesty, the lying. And if you lie and just constantly lie, because most people lie because they're afraid of the truth somewhere along the line. They're afraid of the result of the truth. If I told you the truth, the result of how you would treat me once you know the truth, fear-based. Because we're not secure in ourselves, but then we put on something that's not true, and you can never build lasting relationships. You can never build real honest relationships, fulfilling relationships, if you're always dishonest and lying to cover up. Well, then you, The problem is lying is that you always got to remember your last lie, and, and you have to cover up the lie that you lied about, and you're always looking over your shoulder and always worried about your. Full of guilt and shame, and you can't be yourself. So trust is very important. One of the biggest ways trust is broken in relationships is by saying something and not following through. And we all have done this. I've done this many times with my wife in our marriage, I'm sure. And I've said things that I will do, and I didn't follow through with it. Because how am I supposed to build trust if I don't speak properly? and What I say, I will do. Amen? You break your word. You break your promises. Sometimes we make promises, promises, promises. Eventually, if your actions don't back your promises, the person's listening not to your words, but watching your actions. And that's how you break the trust in a relationship. So you can rebuild it by keeping your word. Don't say something, you're not going to follow through. that You're not going to keep your, your promises. You can build trust again. So when I think of trust, I think of integrity, honesty, um, and those things. And obviously, a relationship, every relationship, me and my son Leon, the, diff- the relationship I have with him, There's a certain amount of trust and I need to discern how much truth I can bring across to Leon without breaking that bridge. Sal would be a different type of bridge of trust. So I've got to also discern how much truth can I bring across to Sal, how much of our relationship and trust of truth that I can bring across that won't won't harm our relationship. So sometimes you've got a relationship with someone that's only got one one tonne bridge, can handle one tonne worth of truth, and I try to bring two tonnes across, as I'm bringing it, what's going to happen? It's cracking the bridge. The trust is not holding the amount of truth that I'm carrying. It's a discernment. So, a Relationship's always about discernment, and it, it is an art, an art form. of. There's no right method, no right formula. You have to learn how to do this. You have to know yourself. You have to know your God. You have to know the person you're relating with. Everyone's very different. We're, we're intricate intric little beings, aren't we? So relationships are quite complicated. It's, not a, it's an interesting subject to talk about, but we have to bring light to it. We have to understand relationships. So trust is the, the bridge that all our relationships are built upon, and you need to build that trust. Number seven is honesty, which def, definitely builds trust. We talked about that. We're going to dive into number eight. When all these things happen, we've got to work. Number eight is work through disappointment. Have you been alive for a few years? maybe two or three years, you're going to be disappointed with people. You know? Two or three-year-olds are going to Oh, I wanted to play with that. It's not fair. You're going to have your heart broken. And when you've been alive for some time, you've had your heart broken many, many times. In relationships, we've all had our heart broken. We've all had disappointments. And when disappointment come after disappointment come after disappointment, it's so easy to close up your heart. So It's easy to say, I've got to protect my heart. Because every time I put my heart out to a friend, to a relationship, I feel like they just step all over it. So out of protection, it's a a human mechanism. I think we just start to put it back. But if you do and you create walls of protection, you become a very lonely person. So the the idea is getting healed, dealing with your disappointments, understanding your disappointments, why they're there, but also getting healed and getting before God and getting healed so that we keep loving. If you're going to have quality, meaningful, deep relationships, you have to risk again. T.D. Jake says, um, when you know We all fall in love, but as you get older, because your heart's been broken so many times and we have disappointment in relationships, and our relationships don't all work out perfectly, eventually you're falling in love. The falling part gets broken. We don't trust anymore. We don't take risks anymore. We don't, we don't trust to love again. And that's not a good place to be because I don't want to be a grumpy old man. When I grow up, I don't want to get so grumpy that I hate everybody, hate life, and just grumpy old man because I'm, I'm disappointed with life and I never got healed. I want to be able to love and have faith and believe in people and believe that people are, 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 their intentions are good. And so I can tell you story after story after story of being hurt and broken. I remember the first time I was ever hurt in a my first church that I became a Christian in because for me, when I became a Christian, I got radically radically saved and I just thought everyone was heavenly. I thought everyone was perfect. Like these people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They all, God. They all know God. Like I just said, this really childish faith that they all know Jesus and they know Jesus more than me and they're going to walk in absolute perfect love because God's in them and, and all this. I didn't know that we had weaknesses and faults and problems and still dealing with sin and we're broken people and all that stuff. And I remember the first time I tried to open up a situation, I opened up my experience that I went through. as a spiritual experience, but it was a really, really meaningful one and I had to talk to someone about it. In the middle of church, maybe I chose the wrong timing, but before church started, I opened up, and that person just said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, it's fine. that's oh, yeah, nothing. He just walked away. And I got so hurt. First time I ever got hurt in church, I still remember how rejected I felt. See, I can get hurt there and say, you know what? There's all the love here. There's no love. How come people treat me like that? Like, but I, I walked through it. I got healed, and I said, you know, Lord, it was misunderstanding. That person didn't mean to do it. He didn't realize how much he hurt me. And all those things. But we're going to get hurt in relationships. We're going to get disappointed with one another. And I'm just talking about within church. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about workplaces. I'm talking about friends. It's going to happen. So you need to know yourself and, and learn to get healed. I can tell you story after story where it has got to do with our, our expectations with relationships. Everyone goes into a relationship with expectation. You have to have expectation if you're alive. The word expectation is hope. So hope, Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So hope that you're looking, you're hoping to have a certain level of relationship. If it doesn't happen, even within the time that you thought it should, everyone has an expectation. Let's say you, you think, I'm going to, I come to a new church or a new community or a new workplace, and you think, well, I'm going to be so best friends of everybody within, and your mind frame, you see, is within two, three months, I'm going to know everybody so well. And it could take two years before you build real, meaningful, deep relationships because in relationships, it takes time and effort, real relationships, okay? And so if you've got this expectation, and this is reality, that is a level of frustration because you've got an expectation. That's why we get disappointed with one another. I mean, even with, I just, now I remember being a young man, I remember thinking, how many movies we've watched? I think it's a little bit different these days. But people have probably watched 10,000 scenes where people fall in love in movies. And it's usually an unreal romantic Beautiful and emotional, and it takes you on a ride, and you and you think you, it's creating image, it's creating expectation, it's creating a fantasy of one day I'm going to fall in love and I'm going to be like that. Remember Crocodile Dundee, the movie where Paul Hogan at the end of the movie he's climbing down Central Station, he climbs the people to chase the woman of his dreams. Most movies end up with the guy waking up to himself, go, what am I doing? That's the woman of my dreams. And chase but I've never seen that happen in Central Station. <laughs> I've never seen it happen anywhere where, what's happening? Oh, a guy's running after the dream of the woman of his dreams. You know, like, it doesn't happen in real life like it, it's depicted in the movies. And I'm telling you, we can tell you story after story in movies. So by the time you get married, you think, when I fall in love, and you have the emotions, but love is far deeper than feelings. Love is not just feelings. Feelings will follow love. Love is far greater than an emotion and a fantasy of, oh, I'm going to be in love and everything's going to be perfect and rosy every after, ever after. Now, that's an expectation that if it's not, that's, that's expectation, and then real expectation happens here. That's a level of frustration because you had expectation going into a relationship or a marriage. And the answer, number, number I, mean, I can say a lot about disappointment, but number nine, the, the, the answer to a real I mean, and a wrong expectation, because this one, this point is having a real expectation. The answer to it, the wrong expectation is not no expectation. Some people go, I've, I've got so much expectation, I always get broken. Expectation, I hope, hope. You know, oh, I'm not going to hope anymore. I'm not going to put myself out anymore. I'm not going to expect anything, and I will never get hurt. People think like that. I'm just not going to put my heart out anymore. Keep it in my little cage and just protect it. And woe is me. Nobody loves me. I'm so lonely. And they want to protect themselves. They want to have no expectation. You'll live a very lonely and surface filled relationship. People we'll have relationships, but just very surface deep. They'll never go deep and meaningful. And so you have to be willing to take a risk. But when I think of a wrong expectation, I've had heaps of expectations. I look back now and go, the reason why I got hurt in that relationship is I had, I had expect- Our expectations weren't together. And maybe we, didn't, we weren't wise enough to communicate our expectations but we didn't communicate it well. And my expectation was here, their expectation was there, and it was way off. It It happens. We've got to learn to communicate well of our expectations. But the answer is not no expectation. Please hear me. It's having a real expectation. Real expectation from God, my level of maturity, my level of faith, the person, their level of maturity, their level of faith, what they're actually expecting, what I'm actually expecting. That's how intrinsic it is. It's very, very complicated in that sense. And sometimes I have the right expectations, and it's the right level of faith, right level of maturity, and that person closes the door on this relationship. It can happen, and that can hurt us. You can think, why? I'm sure we've had friends that just closed the door for whatever reason. You don't know why. You had an expectation that it should still be a a much like intimate, close friendship, and I don't, and it's not there anymore. You've invested much time, you've invested much energy, much, much effort, much, a lot of emotions, and it's just gone on their part. It can happen. Sometimes we don't know why the expectation changed on their end, but that's where we get hurt. And so my encouragement is not to quit, not to give up, and not to, not even, not to say, oh, there's no real love. No, there is love. You just got to know how to walk in love. You know, But real expectation is so, so important. Um, A real expectation would mean, mean communicate your expectation to each other. Try your best to be a bit more real with your, your expectation when you're going into a relationship. Um, again, knowing how that bridge what, can, what that what that bridge can handle, the bridge of truth of can I, can I really say all this and not and not and still have their relationship and still have their trust, or is this going to break the relationship? Um, all right. So because we get hurt and it happens all the time, I can tell you story after story of myself. And that's normal, you know. It's just life. It actually is life. I realize it's life. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep risking. I'm going to put, keep having courage to, to to believe again and to love people again. Constantly believing people, and we have to do that. But number ten is forgiveness. Couples who make up will. Sorry, couple, couples who can't make up will break up. We have to be able to make up. And that's all of the past hurts, the past buildups. When it when it builds up, you got to learn how to forgive. Me and my wife have been married for close to twenty five years, and many many times we've had to forgive one another. Not because I purposely wanted to hurt her, but I let her down. I miscommunicated, or I didn't meet her expectations. Many things happens in a marriage, and then I need to. She needs to forgive me, and I need to forgive her at times. But if we don't forgive, things build up, don't you? Don't they? Things can build up, build up, build up. Before you know, you've got this emotional baggage that smells, by the way, full of resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness. And then you wonder why you're abrupt with each other. And you snap at each other because you've allowed all these little things to build up and frustrate you. problem with us is we keep it down and we don't talk about it. And eventually something makes us snap and we go, ah, by the way. And you tell them all the things that they frustrated you with. Rather than learn, in the, choose the right moment, and talk about those little things correctly. And we'll talk about that. But forgiveness is important. I'm a strong believer that forgiveness is hard to give when you don't know you've received it. Jesus used the example. Remember the, 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 the master that forgave the, the, one of his people that owed him. Like say, I, I'll paraphrase the story. Like a $20 million debt you could never pay in a whole lifetime. No matter how hard you work, you can never repay this debt. And the, 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 the master or the Lord says, I will forgive you everything that you owe me. Because the guy begged him, can you please forgive me of the debt? And so the master goes, okay, I forgive you. Then he walks down the street and he finds someone with a $20 debt against him. Grabs him by the throat and says, you owe me $20. Remember, he's just been forgiven $20 million debt. And he goes, you owe me $20. If you don't pay me up, I'm going to throw you in jail. Because in those days, if you didn't pay your debt, you'd go to jail. There are countries t- today that if you don't pay your debt, they throw you in jail. And then when they found, and the master found out what he did, the Bible says he, neither would he be forgiven. Think about it. Imagine if you've got a mortgage and the bank manager rang you up and came over your house and had a document there says, sign here. We've just wanted to forgive your mortgage. It's just gone. You don't have no mortgage to pay ever again. If it was $400,000, dollars i have write it off. You're just one of our lucky candidates. You happen to be the absolute pers- person we're doing it to. And wouldn't you chuck a party? Wouldn't you celebrate? Wouldn't you be, wow, yay! You know, Invite all your friends and celebrate. You get your mortgage free. We're talking about, a tw- you've got to believe this. Got to- we had a $20 million debt towards God. We could never pay. Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty. And out of his mercy and grace, he says, I forgive you of a $20 million debt you can never pay. So when these little incidences happen with people, hurt you. I've got all the love in the world to forgive $20 debts. But I really got to believe I'm fully forgiven. And I owed God a debt. I owed, a God, I owed a God a debt that I could never pay. Impossible to pay. I can try to pay Him that debt, try to be good enough. I could never do it. He fully forgave me for free. I was going to go to hell for all eternity. But He forgave me because of Christ. I'm forgiven and I'm so grateful. When you hurt me, I got lots of love. That's right. I got lots coming from plenty where it's coming from. I just forgive you all the time. Jesus did that on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Beautiful love, isn't it? You go, that's Jesus, Leo. That's Jesus. That's the Son of God. It's God in the flesh. He could do it, but we can't know. Stephen did it. He got stoned to death and he says, Jesus. He saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father standing up. And he goes, Jesus, don't lay this sin against them. That's the love of God while he's dying. His last breath. And he could say, don't put this... I mean, naturally we'd go, Jesus, judge them. You know, <laughs> send them to hell. That's our fleshly attitude. Imagine the love to go, God, don't let this sin lay. It's like knowing they're blind. They don't know any better. They're in darkness. Don't lay this sin against them. That's how I learned to forgive. I think, Lord, people don't know any better when they hurt me. How are you going to forgive? If you think, oh, they did this on purpose. They connived it. They planned it. And they did this to they could get to me. You're you going to forgive when you think like that. You have to say, God, forgive them. They didn't know any better. Amen? But forgiveness is a powerful tool, a powerful key, I should say, in relationships. Really, really powerful. Number 11 is developing a heart of understanding. In Proverbs, there's a scripture that says, wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. Think about that. Do you ever... Do you ever Desire to have wisdom. I mean, wisdom is the principal thing. Above everything else, above rubies and gold and silver, precious stones, all that, desire wisdom above everything else. All the money this world can give you, you need wisdom more than that. This world's money will not give you success like wisdom does. It just doesn't. It'll actually mess you up if you don't have wisdom. So above everything, we should desire wisdom, and wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. It's a beautiful key. It's a powerful key. When I was a baby Christian reading the Bible, Wow, all I need is understanding to tap into wisdom. Understanding. And understanding means this. When you look up the word in the Greek, I believe it means to go under someone's stance of view, the standing point, what they see. To go under their stance of view. Understanding. And it literally means to put yourself in the other person's shoes, put yourself in the other person's context, history. Um, background, thoughts, their understanding, their theology, all that they're going through, the experiences, the pain they've been through. Put yourself in their shoes, you can have understanding. And I have little, a um, little slide, a little picture here that's a simple one, but it's really, really powerful. This is what happens in relationships. You're, from your point of view, you're arguing about the point is it a nine or is it six? From your stance of view, it's a nine. I don't care what you say about it. We argue like this. The other guy standing on the other side, he goes, no. I don't care what you say about it. From my point of view, it's a six. You're definitely wrong. See how, how, how wrong we can be in relationships? We're both arguing the point that, no, it's a nine. No, it's a six. No, it's a nine. No one's listening to the other person's point of view. You're not putting yourself in the other person's shoes. If I could just go to the other person's side and put myself in his shoes, I go, oh, I can see from your point of view, you see a six. In relationships, a lot of times, you're viewing it from this angle and there's another angle to see it from as well and you're just not listening. we just got no understanding. So we, we, we fight on nothing. There's a lot of things. Sometimes, you know, if you, try, if you try to be a mediator, sometimes people, they share that point, they share that point. And sometimes they're both right. And you're actually both right. You know, you can argue from Scripture that Jesus was, is the, uh, was the Son of God. He was the Son of Man. But you also argue from Scripture that he was divine. So was he divine or was he the Son of God? Was he just, was he a man? He was f- fully man and he was fully God from Scripture. So when you argue on this point, you're right. Arguing from that point, you're right too. You're both right. But you're only looking at it your point of view and that point of view. But when you look at the scriptures from both point of views, he's fully God and fully man. Interesting, eh? That's what we do in relationships. We don't understand each other's point of view. We don't even put ourselves in there. Love is ep- has empathy. Love will put yourself in the other person's shoes. I think that's really, really important. Practice this. You can actually get to a place where your mindset is, your habit is, I want to see this through your view. I want to see this through your eyes. And you ask questions. What do you mean by that? And you're actually listening. You see, that's not a selfish person, is it? A selfish person would never want to know what the other person's thinking. So it actually is loving to go, I want to know what you actually think. I want to put myself under your sense of view. Um, Hmm. I went to a, you know, William Takataka's Tucker funeral yesterday morning at 7 o'clock. Uh, not his, sorry. His dad's. His dad passed away at the age of 85. And great man, great legacy, loved God, served God, and um, packed out. I mean, the culture, the Tongan culture is beautiful. They fed hundreds and hundreds of people, probably thousands. For a whole week, they'll come into their house. That last night, they didn't sleep hardly at all. And then the funeral starts at 7 o'clock, a church service, very honorable to uh, William's father and, and um, I didn't even know the man, but I can feel the emotion in the whole place. I'm weeping, I'm crying, so many times crying. I want to be able to feel and connect with people. I don't want to be so hard-hearted, I can't even feel the emotion in the room. I, I lost my parents, so I can really connect. But it's not even weeping, it's not sor- sorrow tears, it's not, it's not selfish tears, but it's, it's almost to be able to connect, empathy, Even though he's in heaven and they're going to see him. You know, just seeing the cycle of life. It's a powerful, powerful moment. But I'm encouraging us to have a heart of understanding life through other people's point of view and seeing life through their eyes. Number 12 is learn the art of communication. You know, James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen means propped. And ready to listen. Why did God give us two ears and only one mouth? We should be listening twice as much as we speak. Learn to listen. The problem with us when we're listening to someone's point of view or argument, let's say it's an argument, and they're telling us their point of view, you're already thinking about your response, and you've already shut them down. You're not even listening anymore. You're going, I'm going to say this. This is my good point. I've got this, and ammunition. And so you're not even listening. You're not even trying to put yourself in their shoes. And that's why we interrupt each other in an argument, isn't it? We go, oh, right, why, wait, my, my is more important than your point. And we just fight. Just be quick to listen. Slow down. Really listen. And then speak once you've listened. Talk about communication. That one is, that's the hardest one. You, you want to, The art of communication. The other thing about communication that I've learned is we say the right thing sometimes at the wrong time. Just because it's right, you that's right. I've got a right to say it, it's the truth, it's right, but we just choose the wrong moment. So, learn to choose the right moment. Now, Christine and I, we've been married for many years, you know, and I've learned, she's learned with me, I've learned with her, to choose our moments when we share something that's quite heavy or important, or I need her input, or it's a big decision, you know. For example, I'm not gonna, if I need about Five to eight minutes to explain something, give context and the history and, the, and where I came to this. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bring it up where I only got two minutes with her, because then I'm rushing it. And by the way, and, then, and she doesn't get the whole picture. I haven't been good at communicating, so I have to choose my moment when I've got her full attention, and vice versa. When I come home and um, she knows if I'm really, really tired, mentally, emotionally, I have a long day and spent day, she's not going to bring up some issues at that moment. She'll think. I'll wait for the right time, maybe tomorrow morning when he's fresh. You just start to be wise on the moments you pick. Really, really important. You, it's, you think it's a little thing, but it's, a big, it's an important thing. Because pride says, I want to say it now. Ah, oh, it's my point of view, I'm going to say it. Like, but when you love, you, you, you choose your moments, your time properly. I mean, my wife one time, many, it's a few years ago now, I remember seeing on the calendar of you know, like a diary on her computer and had her periods were coming up. <laughs> And she said to herself, keep calm. Keep calm. The periods are coming. I thought, what? That's really, really good. I never thought of that. We've been married for so long. And, and I thought, oh, I'm going to do that too. I'll put it in my diary. So, so I've got her scheduled periods. And I now know that it's that time of the month, that week, that I can be extra sensitive. I can be extra loving. And, and I don't have to ever say, you're just on your periods, That's why you're doing that. It's just being sensitive to choose my moments, even in that, in that period. You learn, you think it's something little, but I thought I think to myself, why didn't I think about that earlier? Why didn't we think about that earlier and just be sensitive to each other's needs? They're real things that we face. You learn to communicate. The tone you use and the words. Sometimes you use the right words with the wrong tone. Tone is everything, isn't it? So Body language, Very all that. True. And sometimes we use the right, uh, sorry, we use the wrong words altogether. Wow. We know what we're trying to say, but we're coming out with the wrong words that's thats actually communicating the wrong thing. Wow. you got to learn. That's what an that's art of communication is, actually trying to learn to communicate that's to one another. So Quickly, I need to close. But number 13 is deal with negative thoughts and critical thoughts. Now this is... Simple, but you might bypass this guy. Oh, that's nothing. Let's just dig. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. No, this is actually really, really important. Every single one of us has to fight negative thoughts about each other. Even in a husband and a wife, I have to fight negative thoughts. She has to fight negative thoughts against for me. I have to fight it for her. The enemy will try to lie. He, he's a, he's just the one that wants to bring division. Do you know that? He hates he hates unity, and he just wants to bring division. If the devil had his own beatitudes. This is how it read. Cursed are the troublemakers that shall be called my children. Cursed are the complainers, I'm all ears for them. Cursed are those who gossip, for they shall cause strife and division. That pleases me. Cursed are those who are easily offended, for they shall soon get angry and quit. Cursed is he who professes to love God but hates his brother and sister, for they shall be with me forever. That's the devil's beatitudes. He hates unity. He loves disunity. So he'll use negativity in your mind against people. A lot of times it's not even true. He just whispers lies. Whispers lies. I've learned sometimes in any relationship that the devil's lying to me. If I can't deal with that and get rid of that lying, like that negativity. I'm talking about negativity, you know, critical, just seeing everything the wrong way. I might have to go to that person and talk to them honestly, with love, with kindness, and because that's the only way I can get rid of it, if I can't get rid of it myself. You know what I'm saying? Communication is, you know, you bring it out into the open and the devil, devil leaves. But the devil does try to lie to you about each other. You know, 10 lepers get healed. Think about it, 10 lepers. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. They all get healed. One comes back and says thanks to Jesus. And Jesus was amazed. Were, weren't 10 healed. Where's all the other nine? How come only one came back? That's the world we're living in. 10 people get healed, and one came back and gave great, uh, was grateful to Jesus. So think about the spirit of taking things for granted and only seeing the negative and not seeing the positive. My wife has so many positives. The enemy will try to show me that one negative here, one little negative. That's what the devil does with marriages. So many positive things about each other. But you got to fight that. And that's true of in your every relationship. And the last one is to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Make a decision to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. You know when you're in that, should I do this or should I do that? Or, Are they trying to do this? Don't assume. Because when you assume about people, what happens? Make an ass out of you and me assume you do when you assume we assume too much we assume this we assume that and a lot of time it's wrong because we, we listen to all the negativity it's not even real it's in our heads give the person the benefit of the doubt if you if you're going to err somewhere you can be law in you know, a legalistic and lawish i'm going to be i'm going to say, i'm going to give a piece of my mind or you can just show them grace err on grace Always make sure. You know, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to be the believe the best in them. Or else you're always trying to be. You're always going to be. What's the word? Suspicious about their motives. Suspicious. Why are they're trying to do that. Why are they trying to do that. Why? And then you read into it. And they're trying to do this. Learn to be gracious. Give people the benefit of the doubt. It will help you. There are going to be many times where you. Did they come across? Was that their motive? No, no I'm just going to give them benefit of the doubt. I'm going to show them grace that will help you in having healthy relationships. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.